0: Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure.
1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Let's start today's episode off with a question, a, a favorite topic of conversation for those of us here at How Stuff Works when we're just hanging out off the air. Have you ever wanted to perpetrate a heist like Ocean's Eleven style? And if so, did you ever envision yourself having a specialty? You know how all the heist teams always have their specialists, right? Well, I, I've always wanted to be the bag man. The bagman. The guy. The bagman's Yeah, yeah.
0: What does that entail?
1: It is, it's, it's the coolest title. Yeah, it's up there. the The bagman generally, and someone write in and correct us if I'm off base here. But the bagman generally is a term describing the person who actually, when you're physically stealing currency yeah. or jewelry uh-huh. or, or precious
0: metals, the person who physically holds the bag. You see, I'm known for my grip. Is that true? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They say, Noel Brown, mm-hmm. that kid's got a good grip.
1: They usually refer to me, uh, Ben Bolin, in my past heist as either the the inside man or the uh, the shady government liaison. I would have called you the brain. That's very kind. That's very kind. And I, I guess by virtue of uh, his position on the show, our super producer Casey Pegram would probably be, and I don't want to pigeonhole you here, Casey, our computer expert. You got to have a hacker. yeah.
0: You know, it's actually funny. There was a character in one of the Grand Theft Auto games that reminded me a lot of Casey. And Casey, if you if you if you take this as an insult, and you know the character I'm talking about, please don't, because I'm more talking about his his very intelligent demeanor, not 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 his look. He was a little bit of an odd looking fellow, but he's the guy that ran the warehouse where they planned all the heists, and they had the big chalkboard, and they you know drew the maps, and they had the big table. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, As long as you're not Trevor Phillips, Casey. Grove Street
0: forever, man. Oh man, is he the is he the like the meth head guy? Uh,
1: yeah. Trevor tre- Trevor Phillips is the unhinged method guy. Yeah, he
0: lived kind of out in the Salton Sea type area mm-hmm. of, of uh, what's the name of the fake L.A.? San Andreas? Uh, yeah, well, I want to say. There's definitely a San Andreas. It's got to be San Andreas. I have a segue. It's actually going to work here, Ben. All right, go for it. We're talking about video games. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of the Assassin's Creed video games? Yes, i played them all, actually. Is there is this one out yet? I just saw this video. It's called, like, Assassin's Creed something legacy or something but it's about, origins or maybe it's about london gangs oh
1: yeah i don't know if that one's out yet
0: okay then i then I saw a preview of this mm-hmm. game and it's about london gangs mm-hmm. and in this game the topic of today's episode was paid homage to oh wonderful they talked about the 40 thieves the farty
1: thieves the farty elephant gang yeah
0: yeah remember, yeah. remember the uh, gangs of new york wasn't there a gang called the farty thieves uh, an Irish gang? An Irish gang, yeah. Yeah, and just to be
1: clear, we're saying 4-0 with an Irish accent, mm-hmm. not, not the flatulent elephants or the, mm-hmm. flatulent 40, the flatulent thieves. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to check that game out. I mean, have you played Assassin's Creed before? I have not. Oh, it's, it's funny. It can be repetitive at times. It's a mixture of uh, some really cool fighting and then some at times incredibly frustrating jump around, solve the puzzle sequences.
0: Isn't there a lot of like stalk, kind of like from a distance, keep your distance and then Mm -hmm. move in for the kill kind of Mm -hmm. stuff? But I mean, who hasn't done that? Totally. Just in regular life. Oh yeah.
1: So, so there was a real life gang of thieves, jewel thieves specifically that were known for their successful, very well planned out heist. They were active for more than Two hundred
0: years. See, I thought that was a typo when I first saw that. It was I was surely as well. someone added an extra zero.
1: Right, no, two hundred years. And this gang was made entirely of female criminals operating out of the elephant and
0: castle area of London. Which I find to be a magnificently whimsical name for an area.
1: London and you know, the UK in general, they they have they're very they have wonderful names for places mm-hmm. and streets and neighborhoods. Uh, but I got to say, I'm not a fan of British names for food, probably just because I didn't grow up there, but like barley water, oh. spotted dick. Bubble and squeak. Bubble and squeak. Bubble no. and squeak is, isn't even that egregious. It sounds like fun, whatever it is. <laughs> but barley water, that just, that sounds like a punishment. That's beer, right? I don't think it is, Noel. Really? I think it's, it sounds like it would be a good euphemism for beer, but barley water is a, um, it's just boiled grain in water that hasn't, you know, it still doesn't have alcohol. Well, it seems like if there's
0: no alcohol, why would you bother?
1: Right. Why would you bother consuming barley? So when when did the 40 Thieves really, When were what were their glory days, Noel?
0: We talked about that they were also called the forty elephants. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm gonna to refer to them as because they lived in this elephant and castle district. They were also they were self contained and they were a an all female band of um he- heisters I don't know what you want to call it, criminals. Um, but they were backed up by another gang mm-hmm. of kind of really rough and tumble dudes who were the elephant and castle gang who kind of like were almost like their muscle. Um, but, yeah, so they were active possibly as early as the 1700s based on police records. And a lot of this comes from a book called The Gangs of London mm-hmm. by a guy named Brian McDonald and he says that the uh, the 40 elephant gang um was probably the most active between the 1870s and the 1950s but again go back as far as possibly the 1700s.
1: Right. They may have been operating without being recognized. Uh, Brian also, Brian McDonald also has a book specifically about the 40 elephants and one of their most notable leaders, who we'll get to in a moment, but the book is called Alice Diamond and the 40 Elephants. I appreciate that you mentioned the elephant and castle mob. They were, in a way, the... Muscle. They were headed by these guys called the McDonald brothers. And while they were allied together, they differed widely in their methods. So the elephant castle mob, they were more kind of bruisers, but the 40 thieves or the 40 elephants were much more calculated in their crime. They would they would play the long game. At times, they would masquerade as housemaids for uh, wealthy families, or they would use false references and back up the references as well. And during the early 20th century, they were led by someone called Alice Diamond, known variously
0: as the Queen of the Forty Thieves or as Diamond Danny. That's the thing, Ben. They were a very, very militaristically run organization mm-hmm. from their inception. They, they operated in a series of, like, cells, almost like a terrorist group, and they always were led by a queen. This Annie Diamond was just kind of the most notorious and influential one. Yeah, that's correct. There were
1: many, because, again, this gang was active for around 200 years, far surpassing the lifespan of the average person at the time, and... In their heyday, it's strange because they were romanticized a bit by papers of the of the time. In one paper, they were referred to as Amazons who were handsome women about six feet tall. We, we can walk through maybe some of their methods because I know we made them sound like uh, they only did disguise work, but that was that was just one of their many strategies for bilking people out of jewelry and valuables. They did a shoplifting method that is actually still common and in practice in parts of the world today, which is overpowering the store through the sheer volume of people participating. All of the gang members would rush into a store from various entrances, and then since there were too many people to apprehend, they would just grab everything they can, and then they would flee out of the store heading in multiple directions knowing that not all of them could be caught.
0: Not only that, they had like reserve funds when they had to bail out the one or two stragglers that did get caught mm-hmm. and they basically were considered like untouchable because they had deals running with the police and this is a very corrupt period in English history. You have to remember this is like on the tail end of the uh, Industrial Revolution. Things mm-hmm. were changing really, really quickly and it was kind of like just a free-for-all as far as these street gangs of which there were many and I just wanted to rattle off a few other ones in there, you know, in this part of the country, Is huge. You've got gangs like the Scuttlers, the High Rip Gang, the Peaky Blinders in Birmingham. You've got the Cock Road Gang and other such amazingly absurd and beautiful names. Um, But the 40 Elephants had an incredible reputation for being ruthless and being cunning and being, like I said before, practically untouchable because of the way they ran their operation in these cells. And like you're saying, Ben, the way they were able to kind of scatter, you know? Yeah, kind of a a Hydra organization. Cut off one head and
1: two will rise in its place. I, I don't think we mentioned that Diamond Annie was ruling during the interwar period. So she's around 1910 or the late 1910s. So... World War I has already started. Uh, she and her lieutenant baby-faced Maggie, which I love these nicknames. Amazing. Everybody's got a great nickname. Uh, they're the ones who reputedly had the idea of partnering with the elephant and castle mob to make sure that they had enforcers. There's an excellent article about this gang written by Amelia Hill for The Guardian called Girl Gang's Grip on London Underworld Revealed. And it dives into some of the work of Brian McDonald, but it also gives us a good context for the time in which this gang existed or this this glory day era, because They were taking advantage of the misogynistic, chauvinistic attitudes of the time, you know. People thought, oh, a a woman couldn't possibly be a criminal if she's dressed well. Yeah, and I
0: heard this somewhere, Ben, and Mm. and, um, let me know if you did or if you think this is completely bogus. But I heard that they sort of had an advantage because women weren't allowed to do very much on their own in this time. But one thing they were allowed to do was shop. Right, right. On their own, Mm -hmm. and it may have even been that they were not paid as close attention to because of the fact, like you're saying, that they're wearing nice clothes and that they're on their own, unaccompanied, without a, a chaperone.
1: You want to respect their privacy. You don't want to be forward in this very repressed age. So there were some upsides here, which we can explore later. But there, there are some other organizational things that they were very talented at. Uh, They had their own territory like most gangs do, but they demanded a percentage of all crimes committed in their territory. So if there's another gang, we'll make up a gang. Let's say the Devin Ryan sandwich gang steals, uh, something. It doesn't matter what they
0: steal. They and still they get wind of it.
1: They steal hats, yeah, and then the 40 thieves or the 40 elephants find out about it. They will demand a percentage from that haberdasher's robbery because it happened on their turf, and then if someone refused to pay up, got a bit too big for their britches, or perhaps their trousers, then the gang would send their elephant and castle mob That's right. to beat the snot out of them or kidnap their notable members, or their family
0: members until their uh, percentage was paid. And that's not to say that the female members of this gang weren't bruisers in and of themselves. Uh, Diamond Annie, for example, got her name because she had a fistful of diamond rings that if she clocked you in the face with, Mm -hmm. you'd probably lose an eye. Or, you know, you mm-hmm. would not be doing very well. And uh, they were known for wriggling out of tight situations with the law with violent methods. They'd carry blackjacks, mm-hmm. straight razors, and all kinds of uh, concealed weapons. But for the big stuff, like you said, the door-to-door, you know, give give us our, uh, what do you call it, like our vig or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Or like the, what do they call it in the Sopranos when they uh, get in collections, right? Going mm-hmm. door-to-door. They sent, left that to the the big burly dudes. Yeah,
1: there might also be the matter of protection fees or something like that. There you Common go. Mob yeah, tactic. exactly, exactly. They also did something that may surprise people. They they diversified their crime which makes it more mafioso and less just street gang. They were uh, they they were very into blackmailing men, seducing married men or men of note and then forcing them to pay either a huge lump sum or a continuing almost a service fee not to
0: reveal their carnal predilections yeah and we're kind of leaning on some of the most well-known members of this gang like diamond annie in particular like you said i mean that book um that mcdonald wrote focuses a lot on her but there's a lot of periods in this gang's history that we don't know a whole lot about other than that they they did exist
1: Right, right, because they were also successful at functioning away from the spotlight. It's weird because for almost 200 years you know they were playing a very dangerous game if any of them were caught they could be sentenced to somewhere between 3 and 12 months hard labor or 3 years in prison and hard labor at the time we've talked about this in previous episodes was absolutely no joke you know you're like un what is it you're unraveling rope i think that's one of the things sure. you had to do uh you're digging ditches and Despite these high risk and these serious consequences a lot of the gang members maybe even the majority were long timers Maggie Hughes or Babyface Maggie had shoplifting convictions that went back to the age of 14 and when these as as I think we said earlier when these women or members of the gang were caught they did have their own independent support system so your family members or, your, you know, your dependents would be taken care of, or they would help you uh, fight the system, get out of jail. But uh, another, I like that you mentioned the fact that there were many other people who were lost to history that were members of this gang. We know a few. There's, for example, Ada Wellman, who was convicted of shoplifting from Army and Navy stores in Victoria in 1921. And... She was. we know she was still an active member of the gang almost 20 years later because she shows up in police reports 18 years after her 1921 arrest when she got jailed for four months due to another crime. So these are career criminals. It's not like a side job. It's, it doesn't sound like they were doing that thing so common in heist movies where we say, you know, Casey, Noel, let's get the gang back together for one last score.
0: No, this is a perma score. This is a life. I mean, this is a generational thing. If we're talking about two hundred years of this, uh, I'm going to call it an organization because that's clearly what it was, and it was um, maintained that way for quite a long time. You know, it this this stuff, these tricks of the trade, would be passed down. You know, like uh, I mean, it's it's really fascinating.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob
0: is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. See Mint mobile for details
1: so they had one I guess great problem that any shoplifting network will run into if they are successful, and the problem was they had abundance of stolen riches what how do they get rid of this? how do they take something that they have stolen, for instance, a unique piece of jewelry right or uh, very high quality clothing and Translate that into cold, hard cash. This meant they had to create a distribution network so that they would, you know, because if they stole something and then just waited a week and started wearing those clothes or selling diamonds on the street, boom, they're back to hard labor again. So they instead relied on a network of fences and then unaffiliated street market traders and, of course, pawn shops. So. Part of the clothing they stole would be just sold to a clothing store. And the clothing store, just to make some scratch, all they would do is replace the labels. So you would say, oh, that's not a, a Hertfordshire Blackfoot bustier. Mm-hmm. I'm just making stuff No, up no, here. You
0: were close, though. I think one of the big stores they robbed had a very similar name to that.
1: And just like the gang itself, this network, while being fluid, also prospered for a long time. The 40 Thieves seem to have been at their glory days in the 1920s and 1930s. So that's why we know uh, so much about Alice Diamond or Diamond Annie, the woman with the punch to beware of.
0: I guess we could talk a little bit about her background if you want, just briefly. Oh, we absolutely should, Ben, but I do just want to point out the yeah. names of some of the biggest retail stores in London on the high street uh, that they hit. It was uh, – because you made up a beautiful one and it made me think of – it wasn't that far off, Ben. We've got Debenham and Freebody. Oh, what do they sell? Uh, you know, ladies uh, lingerie. It's more of a department <laughs> store. They sell, they sell it all. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just sort of like a, like a Sears-type situation, I imagine. Yeah, like, so a like a like department store. A department store, yeah. Kind of a
1: Harrods. Exactly. Okay. So since we are lucky enough to know a little bit about the notorious Alice Diamond, let's, let's look into her background. She was born in 1896, in June of 1896, in Lambeth Workhouse Hospital, and Diamond was her real name. It wasn't just a cool moniker. Her father was named Thomas Diamond. Her parents had applied for a maternity birth under the name of Black before they married because at the time, Alice would have been an illegitimate child because she had been born out of wedlock. However, since they they decided instead to marry shortly before Alice was born to avoid the problem, her father had at least three criminal convictions, including one where he assaulted the son of the Lord Mayor of London by punching his head through a pane of glass in a door. And Alice turned out to be the eldest of seven children. One of her younger sisters also joined the 40 Thieves gang. And one of her brothers, Tommy, became a member of the Elephant and Castle
0: gang. Ben, can I just point out really quick that, mm. that I, I have seen it as Alice and also Annie. Yes, yeah. Just real, real quick because I, I was confused for a second. I was about to cop to, uh, to saying the wrong name. No, and now a- I'm looking back over our sources and yeah. it's definitely se- uh, both are said.
1: Like many criminals, she added Anne and Alice to her name or referred to herself as that multiple that times. That makes perfect sense. It's
0: like an alias, so mm-hmm. she can't get pinned down. Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: Just like sometimes I'll be Max Powers, astronaut with a secret, or Chris from Boston, who, again, is retired. We mentioned him on a previous episode. People love Chris from Boston. He just, you know, the brightest lights shine briefest. So here's to you, Chris.
0: That's sad.
1: (laughs) It's good. It's it's okay. We've got to move on, you know. Circle of life and all that, as far as aliases and AKAs go. Alice's, or Anne's, criminal career began in 1912 because she was caught stealing chocolate. In 1915, she was officially named the Queen of the Forty Thieves. The previous queen was uh, someone named Mary Carr, also known as Polly Carr. But we don't know a ton of stuff about Mary. We mostly know, when it goes to who was the Queen of the Forty Thieves, we mostly know about Alice or and and when you think about it, it sounds like a swashbuckling life or it sounds like a maybe a romanticized thing. But it was a brutal life. And they believed that the only alternative to this would be a crushing existence in poverty. You know what I mean? And yeah. Just... Or
0: possibly crushed under the thumb of some man.
1: Mm-hmm. And they did live it up. They were well-known for their parties, their soirees.
0: That's right. They would uh, really throw down at pubs and and social clubs. And and I think the fact that they they also, because of their reputation, I would imagine they were allowed and permitted to do things that, you know, other women would not be because people were scared of them and they didn't want to, like, raise up, right?
1: Yeah. Because that wouldn't have
0: been proper for a group of women to have a big old, you know, Drunken to do,
1: right? And that also gives them some support. That kind of lifestyle gives them some support in parts of the population, right? Because, you know, if the 40 thieves or the 40 elephants are coming to the restaurant or the club or something, that it's going to be a wild night. right? I mean, you can part, you might
0: get blackmailed later. But you could party. That's right. I mean, they were getting the equivalent, the uh, late 1800s equivalent of, like, bottle service, you know? They were, like, really, really dropping some, some cash.
1: And we do have to thank McDonald. We can't thank him enough because Brian McDonald uncovered a lot of this previously unknown information by hitting the bricks, scouring official birth and death records, perusing marriage indexes, Uh, local newspaper reports, hunting down out-of-print books at the British Library to read contemporary accounts, and everything he found was verified. There's There's a thing where, like, imagine you grow up in a very impoverished situation, and you say, well, I can slave away at a minimum wage job until I get ill, at which point I have to be consigned to poorhouse or a workhouse or something, and probably die early of a disease that may well have been preventable. Or I can break social norms. I can not only become a criminal, but I can do it well. According to McDonald, they idolized glamorous movie stars and the decadent living of the 1920s flapper society. So they read about the the scandalous, salacious behavior of people born into privilege or celebrity, and they wanted to emulate them in a way. It's in a way, it is very similar to the stories we hear now about modern drug dealers. That's right. You know, I mean, Atlanta is full of
0: strip clubs. Yeah, they want the chains, they want the grills, they want all the stuff, the status symbols or whatever, but ultimately they're living a very risky and potentially short existence in order to have those things. Did I
1: ever tell you about that excellent Freakonomics report that broke down how much per hour drug dealers actually make on average? You were saying it wasn't great. No, it's the opposite. Unless
0: you're like the distributor or whatever. Yeah. The high level individual that's really pulling the strings. That's where you, you know, make the big money.
1: Right. It's a it's a very unfairly distributed hierarchy, typically. So if you want to learn more about that, it's tangentially related to this episode, but it's it's fascinating information nonetheless. I I'd like to recommend a TED talk by the author Stephen Levitt who presents the data he found on the finances of drug dealing, these folks are not living the high life. It is much more, um, what's the best way to say it? No, it's just terrible. There's not a good way to say it. It's, it's a terrible, terrible life. Don't sell drugs. I mean, if you're looking to make a lot of money off of it, don't expect to.
0: Well, how about uh, forming um, a very organized cell-based gang and doing smash and grabs for a living?
1: That would be, there's an interesting topic there too, Noel, because that would be much more difficult, at least here in the US in the modern day, and definitely in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom, for a few years running now, has had the uh, largest amount of closed circuit television cameras, CCTV cameras uh, per capita, I believe, in the world. So you're much more likely to get caught on film, right? You're also much more easy to track. If you have a cell phone, since we all have those GPS locators on our phones, it was easier to get away with crime back then.
0: Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, like, it was just rampant. I can't imagine. I, who, who would
1: want to go into business? <laughs> have you seen the
0: Ballad of Buster Scruggs yet? Yeah, I've seen it, seen it several times. It makes me think of the the bank Teller kind of situation where you're just constantly on the ready with like guns loaded mm-hmm. and pointed at every potential person that's going to walk in that door and rob you. I would just think that some of these shopkeepers must have been quite foolish for at least a minute, mm-hmm. you know, with to to allow this kind of stuff to keep happening. I don't know. I, I wonder.
1: Well, and also, what can you do if you have if you have a small shop? Are you supposed to continually employ? Five people just for security on the off chance that something happens one day. I mean, you're throwing money in a hole until the robbery happens. That's right.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And you may be wondering, well, Ben, well, Noel, well, Casey, this sounds like quite an adventure, and it would make for a great film, but you guys are doing a history show. Are the 40 elephants still around today?
0: No, no, they're not. And and again, you don't even really hear much about them at all until this book came out. But in the mid-20s, there was a member of the gang named Marie Britton who kind of on her own, through her actions in this kind of chain of events, led to the dissolution of this crime dynasty. I'm going to call. I'm gonna go so far as to call it that. 200 I that's years? That's Is that fair. a dynasty? I think that's a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she had fallen for a dude who was not a part of this uh, seedy underworld. And, you know, it's a network. And it's sort of like West Side Story, you know, where it's like the the jets and the the sharks or whatever. You fall in love with a shark— it's not okay with the jets, right? Mm-hmm. It was a little different. This person was neither a shark nor a jet. This person was outside of the world entirely. They were a square, a civilian. Exactly. Because Marie had fallen
1: in love with uh, someone outside of London's underworld, she had also broken one of the gang's many internal rules. Thou shalt not date a square. So she was called up to see Alice and Babyface Maggie and Marie was scared. She brought along her father to protect her as her own muscle, essentially. And they, you know, we can speculate on the the essence of their conversation. Alice and Maggie say, hey, you've got to drop this guy. He's lame. He's not in the... He's, he's not, not one of us. He's not one of us. He's not in our, our crime sororities or affiliated crime fraternities. And Marie says... No, I'm not going to do it. At which point, Maggie whips out her aforementioned straight razor and attacks Marie's father. Slice, yeah. And they escape. Marie and her father manage to escape, but Alice is not going to let this go.
0: Alice sounds like a real tough cookie. Oh yeah, she's not, a not not for the for the better necessarily. I mean, I guess if she's she's the kind of person you probably want in your corner, but if you make an enemy of her, of her, she she's going to come at you with a straight razor, <laughs> right? And she's going to come to your house and start hurling rocks through the windows uh, and then force entry into the home and search um, manically for you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speaking of myself as though I were Marie uh, and, and my father. And they're you know, going to ransack the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing this, attract the attention of the police because <laughs> yeah. it became a riot basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Not, uh, not Sting and the police. No. They, they weren't on the scene yet. No. So what what happens? What happens?
0: Well, I mean, they slashed their way through this house looking for uh, Marie and her father and ended up injuring some of the other folks that were around. And the cops came. The fuzz showed up because this is a whole melee, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the uh, ringleader of the 40 elephants, Alice Diamonds, Diamond Alice, Annie Diamonds, Diamond Annie, was was arrested?
1: Yeah, and it didn't go well for her. No, it didn't. They went to trial. Uh, they were easily convicted, Alice and Maggie. That is, uh, because you know this is babyface Maggie. Yeah, babyface Maggie, because mm. they clearly did this. But the prosecution, despite the fact that there were multiple members of the gang attacking uh, Marie's house, the prosecution only convicted. Only even charged Alice and Maggie because you see, according to the rumors and the speculation, certain gentlemen in high places of society did not want the details of the blackmail activities to come to light. So maybe we can conjecture with a fair amount of certitude maybe there were a, a couple of people in the government or high in business who said, Look, you can convict the two ringleaders. But um, Grey Tooth Desdemona can't go to court.
0: That's right.
1: My wife can't find out.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, subsequently, there was a vacuum left behind because Annie, uh, Diamond Annie, Diamond Alice, whatever you want to call her, the -hmm. the, the, the Diamond, let's Mm -hmm. call her that, um, was put away and sentenced to hard labor for how many years? Well, let's see. She was imprisoned in 1925,
1: and the power vacuum... has has a pretty swift effect on the gang. Uh, By 1930, they're falling out of power, but people are still claiming membership of the gang, and they're still shoplifting up into the 1950s.
0: But it sure seems like Diamond Annie is the one who kind of had that iron-fisted control Mm -hmm. over the organization to the point where they existed almost as a central power in the London crime world. So when she went away, it kind of reverted back to this more petty thievery, and they sort of lost their grip on the underworld in general. Right, right. And by the 1950s,
1: the the gang had just lost too much power. Maggie Hill ended up dying in 1949. Don't know where she was buried. Uh, But... Her best friend was Alice Diamond, obviously. And who's the in casino? Is it Joe Pesci who's the wild card? Oh,
0: yeah. His oh, character. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Maggie Hill, by way of comparison, is kind of the Joe Pesci of this group. Yeah. And there's not really a Robert De Niro. If there is, it's Alice. But she in court attempted to attack pe- members of the court during the trial. Was it with
0: a pen? In Who the, knows, man?
1: Who knows? She was like a, uh, like a, a real life cartoon Tasmanian devil. Yeah.
0: But I also read that she did not keep her composure when sentenced. That she, she didn't. That's cried and freaked yeah. out and like, yeah, but like got really upset. Was not stoic at all. Was no. very like uh, emotional
1: and railed against the court. Yes. Probably because she saw more than a few people associated (laughs) with their crime ring in court. That's right. On the other side. With their pious wigs on. Mm -hmm. We know that Alice Diamond passed away in uh, a place called Southwark, close to the East Lane Market in 1952. So this gang pretty much. Pretty much expired. Its death knell is the last imprisonment and then later the death of Diamond Alice or Diamond Anne. And that's not to say gangs don't continue in
0: London today. Oh, no, for sure. But it's, you know what the thing about London too is? You you always hear about how gangs there don't use, there's not as much gun violence because they're a lot harder to get. Mm -hmm. So you got to wonder if like the gang culture has kind of like been influenced by this more kind of crafty gang culture where it's more about, like, figuring stuff out and and being sharp on your feet, you know what I mean? As opposed to just, like, running in and blasting up the place because you just don't hear about a lot of gun violence in
1: London. Not, Not near as much as there is in the U.S. or some other countries, but knives we have to keep in mind. One of my old instructors used to always try to hammer this into our heads that knives up close are more dangerous than guns. Oh, for sure. So they... They're probably walking around with some blades, a blade or two.
0: That's what I'm saying, though. To wield a knife, you got to be a little more brave and a little more clever, and have a little Ooh. more training, kind of. You know, you got to know where to, what to do with it.
1: Well said, well said. And for the record, I agree.
0: So I guess I'm saying, way to go, London crime world, for being <laughs> a little <laughs> a little less lazy.
1: I don't know if I if I agree with that. Uh, man, it's it's true though. While gangs still exist and even thrive in some parts of London, there's not really, at this moment in time, something like the 40 Elephants, unless you want to say the banking cartels are gangs. But they rob people in a different way.
0: Very much so. Do
1: you like how I had to walk around the block to throw that little piece of shade in? I loved it. I'm telling you, man, the city of London itself, oh, it's sketchy. The whole thing's sketchy. But that is the story
0: of the 40 thieves, the 40 elephants. Alice Diamond, Diamond mm-hmm. Alice, Annie Diamonds. <laughs> Diamond Diamond Annie, yeah.
1: The all-female crime syndicate or dynasty, which we think is appropriate here, who ran shoplifting and somehow got away with it for almost two centuries.
0: I want to see their, like, internal... Records, you know, yeah, for that two hundred years. Like, I want to see the turnover of like who who is in charge. If any of that was on paper, it probably wasn't. It was probably all just like oral. History. I wonder,
1: yeah, because it it's it's a huge liability to have something sure, like that laying for sure. around. But it's prestigious, and it would be it would also really help out uh Marnie Dickens, who as of twenty seventeen was developing a series on the forty elephants or forty thieves for the BBC. And it has the potential to be a, uh, a Peaky Blinders kind of thing. Did you ever see that show?
0: I started watching. I think I watched the first season, and it, I, I like it.
1: Yeah, I saw, I guess, all the first episode. And I, I started wondering whether I should also carry a razor around in my hat.
0: Yeah, our boss, Connell, really likes it a lot. I could see that. That's mm-hmm. classic Connell.
1: <laughs> Have you ever seen Peaky Blinders, Casey? No, I don't think I've
0: even heard of it. Yeah, it's got Cillian Murphy in it. It's about mm-hmm. a gang in ireland i want to say though right Mm -hmm. wasn't it an irish gang like around the same time in the early 20s um don't know that they were around for 200 years though no
1: would you uh would you guys watch a show based on this uh this crime syndicate yes i would too i'm wondering who they would cast let us know who you think would play uh an excellent alice or annie diamond and who is unhinged enough to be a babyface Maggie in your book?
0: You know who I could picture as being babyface Maggie. Who's that? Um, uh, Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I like she's it. She's got some acting chops, man. She I, does I, have she, she, some she does chops. all these kind of goofy comedy movies, yeah. but I, I, I think she's got the she's got, got the, the range. Goods. I think she's got it, man. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this and come back. Uh, it is the end of the episode, which means that if we are still carrying on this tradition, my friend, it is time for us to give a comic book recommendation or two.
0: Wow, we're gonna keep keep going with this, huh? Well, oh, we said we would. We give it a shot. I like it. Um, have you read Saga? Yes. By yeah. Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I've only read a little bit of it. And again, I'm I'm not as much of a comic head as you are, but I I, I have a, enough of an idea of what's out there to give a recommendation for a couple episodes. But yeah, check out Saga by Brian K. Vaughn. He, uh, it's sort of a sci-fi, star-crossed space adventure. Is mm-hmm. that a good way of referring to it? Yeah, that? that's
1: great. Yeah. yeah.
0: It uh, breaks a lot of genre rules. I think you'll really enjoy it. He also wrote Why the Last Man, mm-hmm. which I did read every moment of about uh, the last man on earth after a disease kind of wipes out the male population and this one dude's still around, and everyone else is female. That's mm-hmm. a good recommendation for this episode, actually. Yeah. Um, yep. and, that was and, actually mine. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. My bad. I only yeah. said it because uh, this is the Brian same, K. Vaughn. Same He's writer. A great writer. And I believe that's being adapted into a big old series right now.
1: Right, right. And for people who have yet to read it, This won't spoil anything. There is a character in Why the Last Man named Agent 355. And that comes from a real and mysterious part of early U.S. history. So, if you want to learn more about the real-life Agent 355, check out our other show, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know.
0: That was just recent, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And,
0: ah, I don't want to ruin it. But check it out. Do, please. Uh, And in the meantime... Always, always want to thank Casey Pegram, our super producer. Uh, I don't know where we'd be without you. We would, we would sound like fools, that's for sure. Um, so thank you to Casey. Thank you to Alex Williams, who composed our theme.
1: Yes, and thank you to Christopher Hasiotis, our research associate for this episode. Thanks also to our other research associates, Eves and Gabe. Uh, thank you, Noel, and uh, thank you for listening, folks. I uh, hope this. I don't know. I don't want to say. I hope this inspires people because I don't want us to get characterized as the inspiration behind a new gang of jewel thieves. You know what? You do you people out
0: there. Whatever you think. Be be the change you want to see in the world.
1: So also let us know if you have found a story of another crime ring this successful because regardless of your opinions about the internal workings or the consequences or their own strategies there's no arguing with it they were very very successful you can tell us about this on instagram you can find us on twitter you can visit us on facebook where we'd love to introduce you to your fellow ridiculous historians on our community page ridiculous historians